Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. Father God, I'm asking that you would help me to stay focused, to say the things I need to say, and to not say the things I don't need to say. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked about Jacob wrestling with God. And when Jacob wrestled with God, he got a new name. His new name was Israel. In Israel, the meaning of that is contending with God or triumphing with God. Another way of it is wrestling with God. And so Jacob was given the name Israel. Israel had 12 sons. One of those sons was Joseph. And Israel loved Joseph more than the rest. He was his favorite. And so all the other sons were jealous of Joseph. You guys have heard the thing, Joseph and the coat of many colors. You know, Jacob had made this coat for him. And the story's not really about them per se, but it's how we ended up getting to the point where we're at in our story. Joseph's brothers were going to kill him, but they ended up selling him into slavery. He was taken to Egypt where, through a series of events and circumstances over a period of years... He rose to be the number two man in Egypt. Only Pharaoh was more important than him. Well, then God used that situation because there was a famine. All of uh, Joseph's brothers thought he was dead or a slave or whatever. And so it ended up that they came to Israel looking for help because of the famine. And there was Joseph. They didn't realize it was him at first. They didn't know it. They threw him in a pit. And then these slave traders came, and so they took him out, and they said, hey, we'll sell him to you. They told Jacob that he was dead. They took sheep's blood and uh, smeared it on themselves, said, you know, a wolf got him. He's dead. He's gone. So then Joseph's brothers came looking for help. They got the help from Joseph, and then he disclosed who he was, and everything was wonderful. He said, go back and get your dad, my dad. Bring the whole family. So they all came to Egypt. And there they prospered for many, many generations. But then after a period of time, the Pharaoh had died. The ruler had died. A new guy took over. And they saw how well the children of Israel, the children of Jacob, they saw how well the children of Israel were doing. So they enslaved them. And so they were enslaved for 400 and something years. And so that's another lesson in choices have consequences. And, you know, Joseph told his brothers when they came, what you meant for evil, God turned to good. Because he'll do that. But there are still sometimes repercussions that follow. And we don't always walk in the consequences of our choices. But a lot of times our kids do. But God can redeem the times. But so that's the foundation of where we're at. So now fast forward to Moses. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the story of the Exodus and the story of Moses and the children of Israel and everything that happened there is a foreshadowing of life that was going to come and the life that we're living today and the life that will come to be. 
Remember I talked last week about anytime God's doing anything major in the Bible, there's a period of what was, what is now, and what is yet to come. And so if we look back, we can see the parallel. And so I'm going to give this to you. If we look back, Egypt is an example of what we would say the world is today. Pharaoh is an example of the ruler of this world, which we know is the devil. We are children of God, represented by the children of Israel. We have been given a promise and a covenant by God, but we're not living in it because we're in bondage and slavery to the world, right? That's what the Bible says, that we are slaves to death and to sin. Slaves to sin, which leads to death. So we desperately need a Savior today, right? We're born, we need a Savior, just like the children of Israel did. So God raised up Moses to be their Savior. And I happen to think that, yeah, I mean, Moses was a dysfunctional guy, right? He was a dysfunctional Savior. He had issues. I can relate. I have issues. And so, you know, I look back and when we are supposed to be like Christ, we are supposed to be imitators of Christ. That's what Moses did before Christ even came, is all of his dysfunctional self. So God says, comes to Moses and says, I've heard my people's cry. I'm going to deliver them. And so he goes, I'm not going to go through the whole story bit by bit, but I'm going to, you know, there's the, we, the representation of Passover. Moses commands the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, to paint the post with the blood. And then the spirit of death passed over that house. That was in Egypt. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus went into Jerusalem during Passover. You see the parallels going on there? So the story of Exodus has a lot of different layers to it of the past, of what is, and what is to come. God tells Moses to tell them that I'm going to, going to give them a land flowing milk and honey, the promised land, right? Actually, if you go back, that was promised to Abraham. So now here we are in the time of Exodus, and God says, I'm going to deliver my people. And if we, we can parallel that with our deliverance, our salvation in Christ, right? We're in the world, held slave and captive. Jesus comes and sets us free, just like Moses led the children of Israel out. They're going for a, to the land, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, a lot of times people look at that, the promised land. There's even old hymns about the far side banks of the Jordan. And people look at the promised land as being when you die and you go to heaven. But that's not the case. Because if you read back in the story, when they, went in, when they did make it into the promised land, there were a lot of battles that they had to win. They had to fight. They had to take the promised land. And we don't have to, when you die and you go to heaven, you don't have to take anything. You're in heaven. There's a parallel of this. We're freed from Egypt, from the world. We're heading towards the promised land. The promised land is actually the parallel to the kingdom. Remember, we've been talking about the kingdom. 
But in between freedom and the kingdom, there is this expanse of time or an expanse of geology of place that is we call the wilderness. And a lot of things have to happen in between our salvation and our promised land. And here's the cool thing. We get to decide how long of a span of time that is. But we don't, we don't decide that by like, oh, I, I want it to be quick. There are certain milestones we have to cross and we have to get past to get to that point. The first real hurdle that the people met when they left, God told Moses to have them camp in a certain place. And it was at the Red Sea because God said he was going to get glory out of that. So the people camped. If you know the story, that's when Pharaoh came. God told Moses that he was going to deliver the people and he was going to get glory over Pharaoh to show the people of Egypt that he was in power and he was in control. In ancient literature, anytime the sea is talked about, it represents chaos in the unknown. In the different tales and stories from different civilizations and different cultures. The sea always represents chaos and and, and unknown. And I don't think it's an accident that God brought the children of Israel to the Red Sea. Their backs are against the Red Sea. They're turning around and they're looking and everything that they had just come out of, Egypt, was coming for them. And they had to make a choice. They felt like they were stuck. They felt like there was no way to go because everything ahead was chaos and the unknown. And on the other side of that chaos and unknown was the wilderness. What could it be out there? And this is what they told Moses. Was there not enough graves in Egypt for us? She brought us out here to die? They didn't understand. They were set free, but they longed to go back into the world. They longed to go back to what they knew because it was familiar. It was what they knew. It was their old coping skills and coping mechanisms. You get that? Are you seeing that? And so often when we have this encounter with God and we are saved and set free and we leave Egypt, those things follow us. Those coping skills and coping mechanisms follow us and want to drag us back. But God wants to have glory in all of that. And he wants to stop that from coming after us. But we still have to make a choice. And so this is what God tells Moses. He said, Moses, why are you still crying to me? So apparently Moses was praying, God, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And he says, what, why are you still crying to me? Tell my people to go forward. And then you stick your rod in the waters and they'll part. They had to make a choice to go forward. The water wasn't going to part until they made the decision to go forward. In many places in the New Testament, writers in the New Testament will go back and look at this as a form of baptism. Going into the Red Sea and coming out on the other side. The Red Sea closed in on all of the things. 
on Pharaoh and everything that had held them captive in the past. The Red Sea closed in on that. And this is the thing, you can't go back. Once you've crossed the Red Sea, you can't go back. It's too late. But we know the story, many of us know the story, that even though it was just a, a few days journey to the promised land, they were not going to make it straight there. There were a lot of things that had to happen between entering the wilderness and going into the promised land and God's kingdom. In the wilderness, God still led the people. He led them with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. So he led the people. He gave them food. He gave them a place to worship and to be in his presence tabernacle being his presence their clothes never wore out they had all of their needs met significance security and they had each other they still had to make that journey we will find out that the old ways of doing things had to die off before they could cross into the promised land things had to happen before they crossed over and so today, many people find themselves, they have this experience with Jesus. They have their salvation experience and they're freed. They come up and they come to this point where they're at the Red Sea and they're having to choose. Am I going back or am I going forward? But I can't go forward because all that's forward is chaos and the unknown. But they have to set out. You have to set out and do that. And once you do that, you, that's what God describes in the word is, that is, he will display his salvation. They will receive their salvation. We talked in the beginning of this journey that we're on about the sower of the seeds and, and that in the kingdom of God, it is like there's a sower that sows seeds. Some of it falls on stony ground. Some of it falls and it's, it's because it's on stony ground, it sets out roots, but they're really shallow. So when it, things get hot and things start happening, it withers and dies. But then there's also good ground. So that would indicate that there's, there's varying degrees of receiving this word of the kingdom. And I think that people often come to this point and the, there's varying degrees. They're set free. But will they, will they cross? Will they make that decision to let go and trust God? Because that's really what it is, right? You can't do anything. They couldn't swim across the Red Sea. They had to just trust God. Father God, I want to thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, God, that we can walk in the kingdom. Thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And I'm, one day, I'm asking God that you would speak to us about those plans and purposes. Help us to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.